Amen. I'm glad he's mine. Amen. Good to have each of you with us this morning. I got to do something. I got. I want to turn this baptistry heater off, or else we're going to have boiled guys back there after a while. I left the heater on, on the baptistry water, and uh, doesn't bother me. I'm going to have on waiters, <laughs> yeah, but they might be cooked. Amen. <clears throat> I was heard a little story just uh, just recently, and I, I think it was probably John Stockman and, and Mary. I'm not really sure. I think he got into a little tiff with her. I'm not really sure. He came home the other, other night, and he asked her, he said, what's for supper? She said, nothing. He said, that's what we had last night. She said, yeah, I fixed two days' worth of it, amen? <laughs> Be careful, fellas, you could get two days of it, amen? <laughs> Take your Bibles and turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, and if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Daniel chapter 6. A couple weeks ago, I preached a message <clears throat> from Daniel, and we titled it, Keeping Your Windows Open. And the Lord just led us to go back to the same, same chapter here and kind of continue on. We're going to do that this morning. Daniel chapter 6, we're going to read in verse 10. <clears throat> so for when, uh, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, there was, a, there was a, a decree that was a law that was put into effect because there was presidents there that didn't like Daniel because he did right all the time, and, and the king was about to promote him to even greater authority. And so they wanted to get rid of him. And they couldn't find a reason to get rid of him, so they had to make up something, and they made a law that no man could, could uh, ask a petition or pray to any god or anybody except for the king for 30 days. Well, they did that, got the king to sign it, and then they went and they found Daniel praying. Daniel knew about it. And notice here where it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he knew that it had already been made law, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but, has, but, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on, on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. 
Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute that the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Look with me back in verse 13, which will be our text. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, That Daniel. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We sure need your presence. We sure need your hand. Lord, need you to deal with hearts. Need you, Lord, to strengthen and guide the preaching of thy word, Lord. And may the Holy Spirit have freedom to work in every heart. There may be somebody here today that doesn't know that if they die today that they'd go to heaven. Lord, I pray that today that they might get that settled, Lord, and they might receive Jesus Christ as their Savior before it's eternally too late. Lord, I pray that you'd cast Satan out, Lord, bind him, not allow him, Lord, to disrupt or to, to keep someone from getting saved. But also, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, work in every Christian's heart. Help us, Lord, to see the need of living for you in this day and time. We'll give you the honor and glory for what you want to do. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. you be seated. <clears throat> As I said two weeks ago, we spoke about keeping your windows open. It's in reference to keep on living for the Lord. doesn't matter what happens. doesn't matter what people say. doesn't matter what people think. We're living in a day and time when there is a culture clash with Christianity. Uh, you look at everything that's taking place in our world today. You have the, the woke group, you might, is what they call them, who everything is, uh, uh, it, it, it hurts their feelings and they want it tore down or got rid of and everything is, that is wrong, they want to call it right and everything that's right, they want to call it wrong. In fact, the Bible says, woe unto them that, uh, that call good evil and evil good. And yet we're living in that day and time where that which is evil, people are calling it good, and that which is good, people are calling it evil. Well, we're in a clash, a culture clash. There's been different culture clashes all through the ages. This is no different. This is what this was. Daniel was a Jew, and he was in Babylon. He was a uh, he was there in a place where they didn't believe in his God. He was in a place where they didn't follow the word of God. He was in a place where they worshiped pagan idols and different things. And, and he, but he stood out because God had blessed him and used him in a powerful way. He had interpreted dreams of the kings and the kings had promoted him. And he was a upstanding man. They could find no fault in him. But they didn't like him because everything that he did made them look bad. And so there was the culture clash there. Well, today it's no different than where we're at today. We, we uh, uh, see how that the clashes are going on. But here we look at Daniel. And even though he knew what the writing was, even though he knew that the law said that if he prayed unto the God of heaven, that he could be thrown, in, not could be, but would be thrown into the lion, lion's den to die. But look at verse 10 again. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, 
he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem because that's how the Jews would, would, they would face Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day, not just once, but three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Now notice what it says, as he did aforetime. It didn't matter that they had passed a law that they would throw him in the lion's den. He still continued to do as he did before. That was to serve his God in heaven, to magnify the Lord God of heaven. This culture clash, this clash between Christianity and culture today, the world wants you to bend to culture, wants you to give up your belief in God, wants you to turn away from the word of God to help them along their way in their culture and do what they want you to do. They don't care about whether it's right or wrong. They just want you to do what they're doing. You see, sin and wickedness in their lives is revealed when we stand for what is right. When we stand with the Word of God, when we stand with God, it shines a light upon the lives of people who are against the things of God, and it reveals the wickedness in the sin in their lives. And so what do you do, preacher? You keep the windows open. You keep on living for God. You keep on witnessing for God. You keep on lifting up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You keep singing praises to His name. You keep doing what's right. You just keep on going and keep on going. Well, first of all, they caught Daniel doing right. They caught him doing right. Look there in verse 10 and 11 again. Now, when Daniel knew that the writings was signed, he went in his house Windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Look at verse 11. It says, Then these men assembled, they spied on him, and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Remember, they couldn't find anything wrong in his character. They couldn't find anything wrong in the way he lived his life. So they had to make something up against his faith and put it into law so that it would be wrong or against the law. If you look back in verse 4 and 5, it tells that. It says, "...in the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom." Otherwise, his daily life, how he conducted his manner of life in the kingdom... But they could find none occasion or fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find an occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You say, what are they saying? They're saying, we know what he'll do. We make this law. We know he's going to keep on praying. He's never changed from the time that we've known him ever since they brought him up from Babylon. He's, he's prayed to his God. You remember his, his three friends that he had, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how that they wouldn't even, uh, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar was going to uh, uh, throw them in the fire furnace if they didn't bow and worship his image, and they didn't do it, and they threw them into the fiery furnace, and, and they didn't burn there. Hey, he's just like them, and, and he's not going to obey this law. We've got him. We've got him. Basically what they did, they caught him doing right concerning his God. Question for you and me is, does this world find us or catch us or find us doing right? Can we say that they can find us doing right? 
Do people catch you doing right? Do, do they know that you will always do right concerning your God in heaven, no matter what the situation is? You see, there's, a, there's what they used to teach, and it was called situation ethics. They call it something else now, but they used to call it situation ethics. Situa- situation ethics is this. Under the right circumstances, you can change and still be right. You change what you believe and what you do according to the circumstances of the situation, even though you looked at it as being wrong before. If it would, if it would better please you and better serve you, you change your way. It's called situation ethics. Well, a lot of people live that way. But my friend, that's not doing right in the eyes of God. There's a right and there's a wrong. There's no middle ground on any of it. We need to be found faithful for the Lord no matter the day or the hour or the situation that's placed before us. In 1 Corinthians 4.2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards, and we're stewards of God, that a man be found faithful. Faithful. You know what they did? They found Daniel being faithful to God. They found Daniel doing right. We're those stewards for the Lord, and we are, are to be faithful to Him and to His Word and to His kingdom. So there was a trap set for Him, and there's a trap set for you and me also to turn from the truth of God's Word and also to turn from the Lord Himself. There's a trap set. This world is setting traps all around us. I don't know about you, but uh, I've, I've never really done any trapping, a little bit of trapping and when I was a kid, and it didn't go so well. But I knew uh, uh, some people that did a lot of trapping, and they told me how they would trap and stuff. I remember a good preacher friend of mine that he would trap coyotes, and he would live trap them. The reason he would live trap them is because they would take them then, they would put them in the pens, and then they would hunt them with dogs. They wouldn't kill the coyotes. They would just run them with dogs, train their dogs to run them, to, to go after the coyotes and catch them. Then they would take those dogs out, and then they would hunt the, the coyotes out in the wild, and they would... They would know how to track a coyote and, and, and do well. Well, he would catch them for people. He would trap them at times for those pens. And he said, you gotta, he said, you got to, he said, you gotta set the trap in such a way that they can't resist it. And he said, you, what he would do, he would take an old branch and he would pull it over and, and he would hang from that. He would take an old stocking, lady stocking, and he would put old rotten chicken in that. And he would hang it over a spot, and then he would set his snares, cover them. And he said, don't expect to catch anything for a few days. He said, because that coyote will come, and he'll look at that, and he'll say, uh-uh, something ain't right. You don't always see a chicken hanging from a tree. <laughs> he said, but he couldn't help but smell it, and he would come back again, and he'd come back again, and finally it would get the best of him. And he would run and jump and grab that, and that limb would come down, and then he would get snared. He said the temptation was just too much for him. Even though in the beginning he knew it wasn't, something's not right here. After a while, he would get trapped. Satan is laying snares for you and I. And many times we look and say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not right. But we pass by them and we pass by them and we pass by them and after a while the temptation sometimes gets so much 
that we take the bait. Bible says that Satan, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's out to trap you and me because he wants to destroy any testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to destroy your witness for the Lord. He doesn't want others to, to, to turn to you and say, now that's a Christian and I want what they've got in their life. Well, Daniel was one of those Christians that didn't go after the trap. They'll set a trap for you and for him. They spied upon Daniel to catch him doing right against their law. These men there in verse 11 says, these men assemble and found David or Daniel uh, praying and making supplication before his God. As I said, sad, sadly enough, today, if you was to walk around, you'd find that many Christians would have closed their windows. Daniel kept his open. But we're living day and time when Christians are closing their windows and going undercover. We got, we got undercover Christians anymore. It's like the fellow told about the preacher one time. He got the fellow got saved and. At one Sunday, and and uh, boy, they praise the Lord for that. He left, and he come back the next Sunday, and the preacher says, "Well, how'd it go this week?" He said it went really good. He said nobody found out. <laughs> preacher said that's not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> They're supposed to find out. They're supposed to know. They're supposed to have that test. You're supposed to have that testimony that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But sadly enough, that today there's many people close their windows and will go undercover if they're going to pray at all. Many would say, well, it's just 30 days and God will understand. I can't do anything if I'm dead in the lion's den, so I'll, I'll lay off for 30 days and then I'll come back and really serve God with greater power. No, you won't, because that'll be the start of you never serving Him. But Daniel didn't do that. He kept his windows open. In this culture clash of Christianity, today far too many Christians are giving in to the pressures of culture. It's not popular to live for the Lord. It's not popular to take a stand against some things that are popular in this world. In fact, the, we, what we're finding today that in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14 is true. It says, And judgment is turned away back, and justice standeth afar off. Now listen to what he says. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. What's happening today is the truth of God's Word has fallen in the street. Christians are no longer proclaiming and standing on the Word of God like we ought to. In this room, hey, listen, we ought to stand for the Lord. It doesn't matter where we're at, who we're with. It shouldn't change at all. Morality and righteousness is taking a hit and, and allowed by many to just fall in the street. No longer is people standing where they ought to stand. Let me deal with something real quick here. And I'm not going to deal with this in, 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 in length because we don't have the time. And maybe I'll come back and do it in length. But I, uh, it's something that, that I've been, that since the first of the year I have been approached by and had to deal with and at different times. And so evidently it's something that we're, and I, I thought, man, this is going to be a problem possibly. So let me lay out in short something here as an example of culture clash against Christianity and the Word of God. 
As of the first of the year, we already had a law on the books that made legal medical marijuana. We now have a law on the books that makes legal recreational marijuana. And the question's been to me by several, well, where do we stand? What does the Bible say? Where are we at on that? And, you know, I think that's what we need to do is go to the Word of God and see what the Bible says about all things. And so I want to deal with that just, to, just in real short because I don't have the time to go into it because I could go into it in greater depth than this. The laws have changed. Man says it's okay now. Says it's all right. To smoke the marijuana recreationally. To use it as a medical aid. But can I say that the effects of it has not changed? In fact, it has become worse. I sit for, every year I sit for a minimum of four hours a year listening to the people, Tomo, that does the drug testing, to highway patrolmen who deal with this with drivers because I drive a school bus. It's legal in Missouri to use medical marijuana or recreational marijuana unless you have a CDL license. If there is any THC at all found in your body, it doesn't matter how much any, you lose your CDL license, okay, by federal standard. Well, but they still go through and they deal with this, and it was interesting what both of them had to say. The marijuana that most of us are, rec that we remember when we were in school, and, and I look around here and some of you, um, that goes way back. Some of you were still using, well, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> the marijuana that's being sold today for recreational marijuana and medical marijuana, the drug people, the highway patrol, this is their statement. It's like marijuana that we used to know about on steroids. They have grown and they had worked with it and worked with it and worked with it and they have have caused it to produce more THC, stronger THC, and other compounds that was never in it before. It therefore is worse than it used to be on the human body. Okay? So therefore, it's, it's not that it's, that it's really changed. And, and, and there are some effects, there are some things that, medically speaking, that, that it's used for, like uh, sometimes cancer patients will use it for uh, the pain, they use it, it's been used for those who are taking chemotherapy to stop the nauseousness and the vomiting. It has some medical abilities to do some things. And that's one of the things that makes it very difficult and makes it very strong to, 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 to get people to understand. Now, with the passing of the recreation marijuana, it makes it even worse because now you've got people who are driving down the highway at 70 mile an hour and their reaction has, has been dulled down to about half of their reaction time or even less than, they got less than that now. And you're facing them driving down the highway. And every one of us know that there's times that things happen when we're very aware that we have to slam on the brakes and stop quick. So now they're in a position 
in Missouri to have a lot more accidents, possibly kill a lot more people, is something that they're calling recreation. That is enough right there to say, no, it's not, it's not right. But, as I said, it's a different marijuana than it used to be. But it's become a culture clash with Christianity. The effects of it and how it's been used in the past, what it does now, even. And you say, well, preacher, it's not that big a deal. You will hear different ones. This is an arguable statement, I'm going to say. Some will claim that it is not an introductory drug to other drugs. That is a complete lie that goes along with culture clash. Say, well, how do you know? You're a preacher. I used to drive an ambulance and pick up people who were smoking it and using it and watch their lives, what it led to. I was also a youth pastor for 17 years and, and dealt with teenagers and seen with those teenagers what they did with it and how it affected their lives and what they went on to do with other drugs because after a while, the brain changes and they no longer get the high and no longer get the feeling that they used to have, so they got to use more and then they got to go to something stronger. It's an introductory drug. You can, you can claim that it's not, but it is. Okay? It is. And I'm not going to argue with anybody over that. I, I've dealt with it personally as far as dealing with people in many different avenues, and I've seen what it does. Okay? And then I've read different reports, both, both directions. Both directions. And generally, it's the culture that's wanting it that says that it's not. It's those who are open science that says, yes, it can lead to these things. And so you've got that leading into something greater. And I know the question, and it's been posed to me several times, but the medical benefits, what about the medical benefits? So the question is, is our science so slow that we have not taken the marijuana and, and decided what it, in it is, is, is beneficial and come up with something else? Google it. You'll find out that there's many different alternatives to it that can be prescribed for the pain, for the nauseousness, and different things without getting into that class of doing that. Sometimes, and you get around it, it's, it's easily identified, it's easily smelled, and people generally know when you're using marijuana. Well, preacher, you said all that, but how about some verses? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Didn't say if it is evil, it says all appearance of evil. All appearance of it. If it looks like it, don't. And it definitely has that appearance. Look how it's being used with the with the different gangs and different ones who are into crime and everything else and how it, 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 has a, it has an evil connotation to it. So he says, abstain from. That would be enough right there. You say, well, preacher, I want more. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you know, we got to stop and think about how, as a Christian, we're seen in the eyes of all around us, not just culture that is clashing with our morality in the Bible, but other Christians our young people, but especially God. What does God think about it? Romans 14, 7 says, 
For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Say, preacher, I didn't hear anything in there about marijuana. No, that means that everything that you and I do affects somebody else. Whether it's good or bad. Well, preacher, I'll tell them that's good. Do you, can you guarantee me that, that's gonna, that they're going to take that and that it's never going to cause bad in their life? Why send them down that trail? Why harm somebody else's life? Why, does, why set them up for a fall? What may have been something that you could control may become something that they cannot control. Romans 14, 13, same chapter. It says, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather. So listen to this. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. We realize and know that people can handle different drugs and different medicines in different ways, and some it bothers and some it doesn't bother. Most everything, you know, when they go in, what do they ask you? Uh, are you allergic to anything? Why? Because some people can't take penicillin, and they'll die, and some people can. People react in different ways. How can you guarantee me that, that if, if I used it and I told him that, hey, listen, doesn't bother me, I'm okay, I'm not hooked on it or anything like that, and so he starts using it for recreational marijuana, it might, he might become a drug addict because of it. I just placed a stumbling block in his path to cause him to fall. And the Bible clearly says that we're not to set a stumbling block before anyone. If we go on there, we find over in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 13, wherefore if, if meat make, you say, what's talking about meat? But it's, it's the principle that's laid behind it. If meat make my brother to offend, I will, not, I, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Otherwise, if, if something that I'm doing is going to cause these guys not to live for God, or to stumble, I better quit doing it. Because we are at liberty for some things, but all things are not expedient is what the Bible says. All things, you are, we may be at liberty and have the right to do certain things, but it doesn't mean that that's, that's the best thing to do. And so we've got to be cautious there. We go on. We've got to keep before us a constant reminder that this body that we put things into as a Christian belongs to God. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. I could go on, but I'm not going to. I don't have the time. But what we have here is a demonstration of, of a clash between culture and Christianity. We have the clash. The law has been made that it's okay. So here's the clash. The Bible says that it's not. So we, like Daniel, have to decide... Do I obey man's law or God's? And so we must follow God's law. You say, well, preacher, that's just one little thing. No, there's many clashes like that. I could, you know, we could go into it. abortion. Abortion in many states is legal. That doesn't make it right. Homosexuality 
people to get married in, in certain states and stuff is legal. But that doesn't make it right. Because it's against God's law and God calls it an abomination. Say, preacher, you're just old-fashioned and old prude. No, I just happen to be like Daniel and think that, hey, listen, we need to stay with the Bible. Now let me move on. Notice the condemning tone of the, toward Daniel, the one who was doing right here. Verse 13 says, Then answered they and said before the, the, the king, That Daniel, boy, I can almost hear him, That Daniel, that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, king, or, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. That Daniel, he's the one king that is wrong. He's the one that, that is doing wrong here. It's not us. We made a stupid law, but he's the one that's wrong. You know what? That's what the world says. You're strange. You're wrong if you live for God. When you do right and stand for the Lord and His Word, you'll be known as that person, that person. But there's nothing wrong with that. Even Jesus Christ, they looked at Him and, and they mocked Him. Your associations are, are quickly known and revealed before the culture of this, of this old world. People are watching you and they know where you stand, just like they did with Daniel. Just like when they, also over in the New Testament, when they had brought Peter and John before the, the elders and the leaders of Jerusalem because they had preached Christ and to them and stood for what was right. Over in Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, I fall in that category, that last one, they marveled. They marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They looked at their lives. They heard what they said. Even though they was taken before the elders, even though they had been beaten in the past, and they marveled. They said, the only thing we can explain is this. They've been with that Jesus. You want it all be in your life and my life when people look at you and me, they'll say, that person, they believe in that Jesus. That person, they believe in that old black book. That person, they believe in praying. That person, they believe in doing what that book says. They believe that they're going to heaven. Can you imagine that? They believe that it's right to do right and wrong to do wrong. You see, this world's against all of that Daniels. But I'm going to tell you something. We desperately need in this day and time some more that Daniel. We need some that Daniels. That's not afraid to stand, not afraid. Daniel didn't go and make a big scene. He didn't go out there and scream and holler at them and, and tell them they was going to die and go to hell and everything else. No, Dave, or Daniel just did what he was supposed to do, kept living for God, kept serving God, kept praying, kept his windows open, kept his testimony, loved the Lord, served God. He didn't go out there and start a fight. The fight came to him. As a Christian, we're not supposed to go out there and start a fight. We're just supposed to serve God. But if the fight comes, roll up the sleeves and punch that thing in the nose. Stand for God. Stand for right. Do what's right. Be that Daniel. That Daniel made an impact, by the way. 
in the heart and mind of the life of the king Darius, who was not a follower, by the way, of Daniel's God. You hear me? He was not a follower of Daniel's God. Look there with me in verse 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree or stat nor statute which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, listen, he said, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, you're faithful to him. He will deliver thee. He didn't say our God will deliver thee. He said thy God. That, that Daniel had made an impression upon that king by what? His faithfulness. He said the, the God that you serve continually, continually, the one that you wouldn't close your windows, the one that because you were serving him, the one that you that you talked about, the one that you stood for, the one that you prayed to. He said, that's faith. He said, that God will deliver thee. Daniel, I know that your faith and your God has carried you through in times past. And I believe that your faith in your God will deliver you this time too. He had made an impact on that king's heart and life, even though that king's God was not Daniel's God. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Not everybody's going to get saved. Not everybody's going to believe in Jesus Christ. Not everybody's going to believe in the God of heaven. But boy, there should be no doubt in their mind that you do. There should never be a doubt. They might even say, I don't believe what you believe, but man, I got to hand it to you. You sure do believe. And it's sad because we know where they're going to spend eternity without Christ. He'll die and drop off into a lake of fire forever and ever and ever without Jesus Christ. But they'll never be able to point their finger at you and say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you show me with your life? Because they'll see it in your life. When people consistently see you stand for your faith in Jesus Christ and see you come forth victorious time and time again, they'll have an impact on their lives. Even if, you're, even if He's not your, their Lord and their God and their Savior. Yet, because they might be later. There's no dispute in the heart there's no dispute in the heart of the king or even the wicked presidents who Daniel believed in. We need more of that Daniels in our world today making an impact in the hearts and lives of people just as he did in the King Darius' life. That Daniel convinced the king and even the wicked presidents who God was and that he could deliver him and save him. Save him from the wicked plan that they had, 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 had put together. Save him from the culture clash against the Jews. Save him from their law. Save him from death of the lions. Well, this world needs to see that our God can save us from these things also. Are you that Daniel? That's pointing others to Christ. 
in your life is convincing them that Jesus is Lord and that they need Him as Savior, whether or not they receive Him, your life needs to be pointing them to Him. You see, Jesus Christ came into the world to die for you and me. Went to Calvary, took your, your sins and my sins upon Him. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Somebody has to pay for sin. Jesus died and took your sin and my sin. Well, preacher, I'm a pretty good person. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That, that takes in everybody. We owe a sin debt we can't pay. Jesus paid a sin debt he didn't owe. Romans 5 eight says, But God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died in our place took our sins upon Him and died in our place. It goes on there in Romans 6, 23. It says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift that not something you work for, not something that you buy, not something that you're good enough for, but something that you must receive by faith, asking the Lord to forgive you of your sin and come into your heart and life and save you. That's by faith receiving Him. He tells us over in Romans chapter 10, Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be or hope so, but shall be. But you've got to go back up to verse 10 where he says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's with the heart the commitment's made. Just like when I stood there with my wife uh, uh, and, 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 and took her as my wife, it was with my heart that I committed myself to her and she committed herself to me. It was a commitment with the heart, not just, well, I'll, I'll go through this and if it don't work out, you know, hey, listen, there's more of them out there. No, it was with the heart. But the greatest transaction my heart ever made when I come to the end of myself and realize that I was lost, that I wasn't going to heaven, I couldn't make it on my own, that I needed Jesus Christ as my Savior and asked Him to forgive me and come in my heart and life and save me. In the middle of May of 1975 on a Wednesday night, brother, I got saved. Received Christ my Savior by faith. Why? Because I had some people in my life that were that Daniel. Jeff Parker, he stood for what was right. Made a difference in my life. Christian, be that Daniel. Be caught doing good and right always, even if it clashes with the world's culture. One day, by the way, this world's culture will be gone. The only culture there's going to be is Christians. What? Oh, yeah. Go to Revelation chapter 20. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And only the saved, only those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will inhabit this world. Everybody else will be in a lake of fire forever. It's coming. Be that Daniel. Be that Daniel. This morning, if you know Jesus Christ your Savior, come, let's take a Bible and show you how you can receive Christ your Savior. Preacher, I've watched Christians and they failed me. I understand. We all fail. Except Jesus Christ will never fail you. He will never fail you. He will never fail you. But I know Christians that they, uh, they talk a good talk and then they live this way, that way. Get your eyes off of them. Get your eyes on the one that Daniel had his eyes on. Get your eyes on Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for the mercies that you've shown unto us. 
Lord, I pray that you save the lost. Pray that you draw Christians to you. Lord, help us to determine and even make a commitment this morning to be that Daniel. Have your will and way in this invitation, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?